a lot of people that maybe uh, the script or the guideline is, you know, be this, be the label, show people you're, you know, the professional and leave it at that. It becomes a mask. And what we all truly yearn for is that human connection. You're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Algott, and coming up in episode 255, I sit down for part one of my chat with eating psychology coach, wellness advocate, and spoken word poet, Tessie Tracy. In part one, we start the conversation about body image, especially as it pertains to performers and hopefuls in the entertainment industry. We chat about Tessie's journey as an athlete with a potentially fatal heart condition, how she used that condition to choose out of the comparison game, and how she fuses creativity and fitness and why that fusion creates both intimacy and opportunity in her professional life pretty awesome stuff and it's all coming up in episode 255 stick around Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from Rehearsal Pro, the next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors that is, guess what, surprise, surprise, now available in the iTunes App Store. So if you want to learn your lines, if you want to get off book for your auditions quickly and easily and explore your character and make stronger choices and book the office and do a whole lot more. Go to Rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now to learn all about the great new features in this newest version of Rehearsal for your iOS device and download it for yourself. That's Rehearsal.pro slash IAP. everybody, Trev here. Welcome to episode 255. AJ is not joining us again this week, but he will hopefully be with us next week. So it's going to be a short and sweet intro and outro again this week, and we're going to focus the majority of the episode on uh, my conversation with Tessie. But I uh, do have a couple quick shout outs. want to welcome our newest members, Cesar Herrera. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm horrible at rolling my R's, but uh, Cesar, Caesar, uh, thank you for joining the family, man. And Paula Labaredas, I believe I'm saying that last name right. I'm awful with names, guys. So I really, really apologize if I'm butchering your names. But Cesar and Paula, welcome, guys. And also, uh, if you guys don't know, we have finally set up more than one option for one-off donations. I totally understand that the, the recurring monthly thing is not something that everybody wants to commit to. So if you'd like to chi- you know, chip into the podcast with just a one-time donation of you know anything from a, a couple of pennies all the way up to you know even a couple hundred dollars, uh, you can do that now. You can do it through PayPal, Venmo, or Square. Square has a service called Cash.me that uh, we've set up. So all of those options are available on our website at insideacting.net slash contribute. And two of the most recent uh, one-off contributions have come from Fern Lim and Grace Gordon. 
You guys are amazing. Not only uh, are they longtime listeners and supporters of the podcast, Fern, as you guys may know, designed our logo, but also they chipped in with some very generous donations, uh, really went above and beyond in supporting the podcast from a very tangible financial standpoint. So you guys, thank you. You make this thing happen. It is the most wonderful feeling in the world uh, as a producer of a weekly podcast to have the support coming in that allows us to not only um, justify the many, many, many dozens of man hours that go into this thing every week and month, but also to be able to budget and start thinking ahead to the future about equipment we can buy and other guests that we can bring on and how we can expand the team and really make this something that that is rewarding to people, not just on a service-based level, but, you know, we got to put food on the table. So um, thank you guys for making this possible, our, our newest members and our one-off donations. And if you're listening to this and you would like to contribute as well, pay it forward, you can go to insideacting.net slash contribute to do that right now and make sure you hold on to your um, receipt because you can write that con contribution off as a tax deductible um, thing. You know, you can count it as uh, research and development or uh, you can write it off nonetheless because it's, you know, for your acting career. So uh, again, thank you guys very, very much. And uh, it means the world to us. Really, 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 really appreciate it. All right, enough of that. Uh, let's jump into my chat with Tessie. We've got a lot of great questions, guys. We've got like eight or 10 questions, even a voicemail or two to respond to. So I'm really looking forward to having AJ back on the show so we can respond to those uh, and, and you know bounce ideas off each other and whatnot and air our thoughts. But uh, short of that, here is part one of my chat with Tessie. Tessie's a, a good friend of mine and uh, I've known her for a while and she's one of the most creative and passionate and athletic people I know. And she, she approaches this whole health and fitness thing from a very emotionally holistic, uh, vantage point or, or viewpoint or approach or whatever the word I'm looking for is. And it's, it's really refreshing and powerful. And in, not in this part, but in parts two and three, which are coming up over the next few episodes, we really dig deep into that stuff. And I, I think if you guys have ever suffered from body image issues of any kind if you've ever looked in the mirror and thought to yourself man i wish you know fill in the blank about me was different or if you sat at a table in front of a meal and you've thought man i kind of feel fill in the blank about this food that i'm about to either put in my body or choose not to put in my body uh this interview series is for you if you've ever felt that way about anything and i actually share a few a few sort of intimate nuggets about, that sounded dirty, but a few intimate pieces of information about uh, my own body and food issues, because uh, I'll go ahead and say it, I, I have issues around that stuff too. So I hope this is valuable for you guys, hope you enjoy it, enjoy part one, and I'll catch you on the other side.
Today, I'm joined by a friend and former professional dancer, actor, and nationally ranked collegiate cheerleader, Tessie Tracy. She's also a CrossFit Games regional competitor, and her journey has led her to work as a certified personal trainer and level two CrossFit coach. She's trained and coached a number of celebrities, including Max Greenfield, Bob Harper, Tracy Edmonds, Babyface, David Blaine, and best-selling author Lewis Howe among many others. Now as a certified eating psychology and mind-body nutrition coach, Tessie's full-time mission is supporting people to create sustainable, healthy life habits around food, exercise, body image, and more. She was recently featured on a panel through SAG-AFTRA on how to apply transferable skills as a performer to other professional industries, and Tessie is also a global ambassador for the body image movement, inspiring every person to love the skin they're in. Tessie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Yes, I'm excited to be here, Trevor. Yeah, I'm really stoked. I mean, we've known each other for a little while now, and what wasn't mentioned in the intro here is that you're also a spoken word poet. Yes, I am. And I might have a little treat for us at the end of the podcast. <laughs> awesome. I can't wait. I, I love your poetry. You have a book on Amazon called 10 Poems on Purpose that I've purchased and read several times over. I love your work. Uh, also, what I want to mention before we move on into the interview is that you've also created uh, a line of nutrition bars called Tap That's. Yes, I have. I've they're a gluten-free, vegan, unbaked protein bar, and I kind of made them as a, like, how do we have a protein bar with made with whole ingredients that doesn't have a lot of preservatives, and they're quite tasty. They kind of taste like almond Christmas cookie dough, <laughs> but healthy. <laughs> I can second that. They're really, really good. You've, you've uh, shared a few of them with me in the past, and man, they are... They're the kind of thing that when you think about it, you instantly start craving it. You're like, ah, I need something and nothing else will satisfy the urge <laughs> except those tap that bars. So um, excited to talk to you. Obviously, there's a lot uh, of, of area, um, areas of focus to explore with what you do. Um, but I want to start at the beginning and talk about sort of how you got you know, onto this track, how, how this journey became your journey uh, and, you know, maybe why you didn't end up doing, I don't know, like real estate or something like that. So, so what was, where were you born and then, and then what got you to LA and, and interested in, in the work you do? Yeah. So I was born in small town. It's called Glenwood Springs, Colorado. Um, so it's like Western slope, small mountain town. I grew up doing, I started gymnastics when I was four. So my athletic career literally started at that age and went on to just really love sports. And in like throughout high school, I was a three sport athlete. So I played tennis, volleyball, and cheerleading. And sometimes would, I would literally like leave volleyball practice early to go to cheerleading. And I just absolutely loved it. It was, to me, it was just like the epitome of, you know, my passion. And then, you know, was a cheerleader in college. And then 
course, after college, I actually uh, graduated with a degree in Spanish business and a degree in cultural studies. And then I told my parents that I wanted to pursue hip hop dancing and fitness modeling in Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. The rabbit hole just keeps getting deeper. Yeah. Which they amazingly were, were supportive of. And I, so I came out to Los Angeles about five, six years ago with packing up my Jeep, not knowing if I was going to stay three months or three years. And, you know, that was when a lot of my journey of what I'm doing now began. So when Colorado, I was still like a cheerleading coach, but I didn't become a personal trainer or get interested in that side of things until I got to Los Angeles, I actually became a personal trainer as my like, you know, thrival job. And then I like really started to realize that that was my passion, um, supporting people and that not everyone had the, you know, three sport, know what to do for fitness and what to eat growing up that I had. (laughs) Mm. Um, so that's kind of for the most part brought me to where I am now. You know, that reminds me of something that Derek Sivers wrote in his book, Everything You Want. Uh, he said, I remember he tells a story in that book about somebody coming up to him at one point in his life and saying, you know, God, w- how do you do what you do? Like what you do is so incredible. And and he had this realization that that what was obvious to him was absolutely fantastic and mysterious and fascinating and um, intriguing to somebody else. And he had had that same experience when he was younger, looking at somebody else and saying like, how do they do that? So I, I feel you on the, um, on the athletic thing, you know, where it's like, it's just, it's obvious to you. And yet there are so many people who look up to you and and what you do and they just go, teach me thine ways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's like what makes all of us as humans so special is like, it's totally normal and okay to, cause I'm also the type of person where I want to be good at everything, but just to realize that not everything comes naturally to me. Mm. And, and, and that's the beauty of being able to, you know, share with one another and, you know, you teach me what's, <laughs> what you're really good at and I really need to take baby steps and then another area I can help you the same. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Now you've, you obviously have spent a huge chunk of your life, um, actively in athletics, uh, you know, pushing your body to the next level constantly, but you've got a rare congenital heart defect called Epstein's anomaly. Is that right? Yes. And, and that that, that essentially makes high intensity exercise kind of off limits. So, so I'm trying to kind of put together the, the piece of you that, was hip hop dancing and cheerleading and doing, you know, all this, all these activities, CrossFit and stuff. And this, this, this condition, which basically forbids you from getting your heart rate too high. It's really interesting because I, the Epstein's anomaly, basically one of my heart valves, my tricuspid valve is misplaced. So one of my valves is just kind of sideways. Um, so, uh, I literally have a large heart. (laughs) Um, but what happens is basically my heart doesn't pump blood super efficiently. And it's a condition that, you know, less than like 3% of the population have. And a lot of people can never exercise at a high intensity. So I remember when I was little and I was doing gymnastics, my, my, uh, pediatric cardiologist, he said to me, he was like, 
you are my poster child for this condition. And he was like, actually the fact that you started an activity as, um, you know, intense as gymnastics from a young age is actually what helped my heart adjust to the condition. So while in fact the high intensity exercise has always been a challenge for me. And I remember like in eighth grade, I tried track and we had this run around like the middle school. It was some loop that was like two miles. I fell so far behind everybody that I got lost and just started like weight, like bawling. Um, because it specifically is with running where I just like, you know, crap out and like can't breathe. Um, so I've, I've had like, I had one, uh, experience in college where, um, a, a sister condition is called Wolf Parkinson's white or WPW, which is where you have extra electrical pathways. And what happens when you have WPW is you can jump into rapid heart rate. So I would have those symptoms sometimes with when I was in the middle of a cheerleading routine, um, and one time after practice, it, my heart rate had gone up and usually it went away within an hour. It was just this uncomfortable kind of fluttery feeling and it lasted all night. And then the next day, actually at weightlifting practice, the, the, they had to call the EMTs and they came and gave me what's called adenosine, which is they, uh, gave me through an IV and it literally like resets your heart. Um, oh my so God. I, I like died for a second and then came back to life. <laughs> Jeez. You know, it reminds me a little bit of a, a swimmer that I follow. Her name is Dana Vollmer and she has something called long QT syndrome Q the, like the letters QT. And it's also, mm-hmm. um, a cardiac electrical disorder. And I remember reading an interview with her, um, where she said that oftentimes during some of the more intense practices, her coach had planned for her, they'd have like a, a guy, like an EMT on deck waiting with a defibrillator because she literally oh could go into heart failure at, at any moment if she pushed herself too hard. So you've, you've wow. been living with that fear more or less as well. Yeah. And I've had, so I've had three procedures where the extra electrical pathways, they either like burned them or froze them. Um, and since my last procedure, uh, which was now like about 10 years ago, I haven't had that episode where I'll jump into rapid heart rate, but you know, I can definitely still like feel when I need to back off or (laughs) take it easy, but to, you know, at the same time, as crazy as it is, it's, it's also that gift where I literally like realize how lucky I am to be able to exercise. And so, and I actually enjoy exercise. So it's kind of also that I know that exercising is what's going to keep my heart healthy. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, there are a lot of people listening, myself uh, included, that I can imagine if I had, uh, you know, an, an issue like that, that I had to be cognizant of, I could very easily spiral into uh, a sort of hopeless place. You know, I could, I could see it as a, as a, like, you know, I've come into the world with a system rigged against me already. Um, have you ever had those thoughts? And if you have, how have you sort of short circuited them and and gotten back to a place of empowerment? Sometimes I wonder if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but when I was little and doing these sports, like even when I got into, I went to a private school until seventh grade. So when I got into eighth grade, I started doing like public school sports 
And I remember, you know, I'm like 13 at the time. And I remember my mom saying like, Tess, we can't tell your coaches about your condition or they might not let you participate. And so my condition was actually a secret. And I, so I never talked about it really to anyone. And, and in a sense, I actually think that was a good thing because I kind of just knew like, yeah, I like, you know, have things that happen in my body that I feel, and I can't really tell my coach about it. But at the same time, it, you know, it still helped me to stay strong and know that I was just going to have to like try harder. (laughs) And, and when I got into college, I did, you know, my coaches were aware. So I have, I have had moments where I've spiraled into it becoming an excuse like, oh, well, you know, I won't be able to make the nationals mat for cheerleading because I can't run a mile in less than eight minutes. Like we had tests we had to do to qualify to be on the competition mat. And a lot of the cardio like tests, I, I would, I knew I wouldn't qualify for. So although it's been a challenge where I've had this mindset of like, Oh, I have a limit. I think the more what I do when I get to that point, what helps me is to still like remind myself that I'm always trying my hardest and fitness in itself that I know we can probably all relate. It's, it's a mental battle for anyone to see like, okay, well, if I go to that point of discomfort and really push myself, like I I could be scared of that or I could try it and be surprised that I can do it. And, and that's happened to me, you know, a number of times to where I just have to step into knowing what I can do, knowing that I'm trying my hardest. It doesn't matter what anyone else can do. (laughs) I just kind of compare it to myself. Mm. So that's a lesson that I think a lot of us need to learn over and over and over is that the the comparison game is always a losing battle. Like the moment that you start comparing yourself to other people, there's always going to be somebody out there who's got it better, who's got more money, who's better looking, who has a better, you know, you know, whatever it is, like there's always a way to find yourself at a disadvantage. So choosing not to play that game, I think is, uh, is kind of one of the most evolved things we can do. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that comes into play for sure. Like in, you know, the entertainment industry as a, performer or as someone who's, you know, auditioning and there could be a million reasons why you don't get the part. And it's easy to jump into like, oh, well that, you know, if you're a guy like, oh, that guy over there got it because he has more cut than me or, oh, that girl got it because, you know, she has blue eyes. Um, and it's like, there's a temptation to go into blaming ourselves for something we can't control. So yeah, it's, it's important to just, stay grounded in, okay, I can do what I can control and everything else I'm practicing being unattached to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's me against me, not me against, you know, this other person that I've made up a bunch of stories about as to why they're superior. This is a great jumping off point too, because you mentioned, you know, acting and that comparison game. And I know you're also a very creative person. I, I mentioned earlier that, um, you're a spoken word poet. You've got a, a book available on Amazon. You've done spoken word poetry, you know, performance. Uh, I love your work. A lot of your work is available, you know, to, to view on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, and I, I think I'm probably speaking for more than just a few people when I say that for me, balancing the sort of inner athlete and the inner artist feels like a, a sort of, uh, 
there are two things that feel very much at odds inside my brain and heart. And I know that we've had conversations in the past where um, it, it felt a little bit like you were experiencing the same thing. You're like, do I do the art stuff and go full bore into that? Or I do the, the, you know, the wellness fitness stuff and go full bore into that? Or is there a way to balance the two? And I think you found a really great balance between the two. But wh- what has that journey been like, that sort of push and pull? And, and how does it continue to play out in your work as you learn more about yourself and, and what resonates with people? Yeah, absolutely. And yes, with, there was a year where I think it was, I changed my website completely to Tessie, the spoken word artist and was, you know, really going to go for being a performer and back on stage. And then I was like, no, I need to be a wellness professional. And it was a mentor said to me once, he was like, you have both. And it's about, learning to, you know, present your skills and your value as diversified and not as distracted. So meaning to come across that I am capable of doing both a hundred percent. Um, but the, the fusion, although they're coming together now, it was not always like that. So I think one thing that when I feel I was actually thinking about this when you were talking like the fusion of art and fitness. And for me, that was definitely dance because dance was something as like a hip hop dancer and a performer was something where it felt more like art that just happened to be fitness as well. Um, but as far as, you know, being a fitness professional, it has always felt like oh, it has to be one or the other. And, you know, people, again, that knew me growing up and I loved school and I loved learning and, you know, at times wanted to go to med school and be a doctor or a psychiatrist. And then they actually kind of were open to be like, well, why are you pursuing acting and modeling? Like you should do something that you can use your brain. And, you know, I listened to that for a while. Um, and, you know, I, I embodied that for a while that was like, oh yeah, you know, if I'm like doing hip hop dancing and acting, then I have to like also be going to school or like that in itself is not enough. Um, so I think that's something that even in one of your, uh, other episodes, how it was what Wells Fargo that had made the commercials that insinuated that, you know, acting was, you couldn't make a living doing it, or it wasn't considered like a successful career potentially. Um, so, but how, I guess how I've found the fusion is because they are both part of me, like this, I've done spoken word pieces that have to do with body image, (laughs) um, and self-love and acceptance. And to me, that's, that's definitely the fusion of, of both worlds. So I think it's a continual development and practice. Um, but that's just like one example of kind of how it feels less like a balancing act and more like a cohesive singular circle. Yeah, you know, I was looking at your website before uh, we started speaking today, and I I saw that it's it's mostly seems to be centered around the work you do as an eating psychology coach, and you know the wellness consultancy and things of that nature. But then 
there, there's, you know, a few mentions, obviously, and there's a, obviously a few blog posts you've written that are very much on the spoken word poetry train. And what, what I sort of caught myself experiencing was like this, this new level of sort of an intimate connection with this person, because I was seeing somebody that I was sort of unconsciously categorizing in my head as a professional, this, you know, professional fill in the blank, put, put a label on it, you know, cause that's what we all want to do in the world is just put labels on the people around us. But then when I saw the, the create, the creative poetry stuff, I immediately was like, Oh, this is a human being with needs to express themselves the same way everybody else was. And all of a sudden I felt even more connected to you. We, we, I felt like we transcended that labeling conversation in my head. And I, I wonder if that, that dialogue is, uh, new, like it's, it feels very 2016, like 10 years ago. I think the, the sort of prevalent advice would be don't confuse people. You know, you need to be one thing and keep the rest of your life to yourself. And now it's much more like, no, put, put the, the wholeness of your being out there because that is what makes, that's what, that's what relationships are built on. And and all businesses uh, are essentially relationships at the end of the day. So, uh, have you, is that, uh, hmm, I guess the question I'm asking is, is that a thought process that has entered into your head? Is, has it been an intentional um, melding of art and um, fitness that has that has resulted in additional clients and richer relationships in in that sense? Yeah, it has, and and thank you for saying that. That that was like your experience from you know seeing the different things on my website, because I think like a lot of people that maybe, uh, the script or the guideline is, you know, be this, be the label, show people you're, you know, the professional and leave it at that. It becomes a mask. And what we all truly yearn for is that human connection. Um, I follow, uh, an online marketing entrepreneur, um, Ryan Lee and every email that he sends out to his list. And he says, this is what he's doing because it is that like, you know, science of human connection. And what we actually want is he talks about his kids. He talks about loving to go to coffee shops to do his work. And, and he points out, he's like, Hey, this is like, I have four kids. This is who I am as a person. Like my mask is off. He's like, I'm this professional and I consider, you know, my list, my friends, and I'm, I'm actually being vulnerable and opening up. And with me putting like my spoken word on my website, along with, Hey, you can, you know, work with me as if you have eating and food challenges, it's definitely, you know, a vulnerable step, but I, I relate to you when, you know, when I see others and I'm, I have that, uh, it's called like, um, relational intimacy, um, where, or experiential intimacy where you can connect with someone and see like, Oh, me too. Or like, Oh, I think that's so cool. It creates a level of intimacy and connection beyond like, Oh, like that's, you know, just another like health and fitness expert. And they're really knowledgeable, but you know, it seemed like they're, I don't know, like you don't get to know them as a person. So, yeah. 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 It's almost like what sets them apart from every other, you know, 
food or dietitian or nutrition experts. Um, because when it, when you think about it, what we eat, our relationship with food is probably the most intimate relationship we have with anything ever. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about the things that you put in your mouth and chew and swallow. And there's obviously a lot of emotion that comes with that, whether it's positive or negative. Um, and I guess by positive and negative, I mean, you know, emotions that will support you in becoming lighter and freer and feeling more uh, uh, able to express yourself or negative, meaning, you know, things that are going to hinder you or, or, or cause you to have negative feelings about your body or your choices and things like that. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed part one of my chat with Tessie Tracy. Tessie, like I mentioned, is a good friend, and we're actually in the same mastermind group, so I have the opportunity to, to see her every week or two and really connect with her on, on a deep level. So I've had the chance to witness her journey and her transformation and her progress uh, over the past few years, and it's, it's just been awesome, man. She's the epitome of of the, the power that is available to us in vulnerability. So if you would like to connect with her online, I highly in, um, invite you, recommend, encourage you to do so. Uh, all the links to her social media and website and all that is on our on our website in the, the show notes. So check her out. As far as picks of the week go, I'm going to uh, push this off again one more time until next episode when AJ is with us again. So uh, sit tight. I've actually got like three or four weeks worth of, of picks of the week already sort of planned out. Many of them I've sent out on social media and stuff like that. So excited to share those with you on the episode. And also you can just find me on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And uh, I share them there as well. So that is it for episode 255. Uh, today's episode is uh, is produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Halgan. Chen Levin is our production coordinator. Gidala Gubrek is our marketing and web director, and Deborah Smith is our community manager. I went ahead and made this whole thing this week, so editing, mixing, producing, all that stuff is, is done by me, and Fern Lim, our very generous supporter, designed our logo. You can find out more about Fern's work, by the way, at thecontagiousfern.com. She did not ask us to say that. I just think she does great work, and I'm happy to to spread the word. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes over at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you do nothing else, a nice review on iTunes goes a really long way for us. It's a lot like kind of putting a tip in our tip jar. It helps other people discover the show and trust that what they're getting themselves into is going to be worth their time. So if you enjoy the show and you'd like others to know about it, uh, a review on iTunes is really, really a really great way to support the show as well. Big thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2GoGo.com. VO2GoGo, by the way, if you guys haven't heard, uh, is the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best Voiceover Training four years in a row. These are the same classes that I teach each month in Hollywood. You can also take web classes and things like that. And if you want to just kind of dip your toes in and learn a little bit more about it, you can visit vo2gogo.com slash start and get access to a completely free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. It will walk you through everything you need to know from zero to hero over the course of 10 modules. So that's vo, the number two, gogo.com slash start. 
And big thanks to you guys, our listeners. If you love Inside Acting and you want to maximize its value in your life and career uh, and support the continued production of the podcast, you can sign up as a monthly member and get cool perks. You get access to our member community message board. You get an invite to exclusive member meetups like our uh, headshot event that just happened a week ago. Uh, some fun freebies, special bonus content, and more. It's 7 bucks a month. You can visit InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab to do that. Uh, or, if you'd like, you can forego the monthly recurring thing and just make a one-time, no-strings-attached, tax-deductible donation. Just visit InsideActing.net slash contribute to do that. So that does it for this episode, episode 255. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, you can have it all. Have it all.